Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Of course, uh, we've got a locker, locker room full of disappointment right now, which we should have. That's not the way we want to be represented. We played, we lost our discipline, we lost our composure. I never thought I'd have to get this one out after a week one game. But here we are. No Cleveland, no cry. No Cleveland, no cry. No Cleveland, no cry. Cry, cry. No Cleveland, no cry. No, no cry. Said I remember that fateful day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Biner fumbled our dreams away. I was in my church, slumped in my pew When that Chandler gave me the news Good games we played, good games we lost On Learner Way In this great future you can't forget your past So dry your tears I say No Cleveland, no cry No Cleveland, no cry All my brothers and sisters Don't shed no tears No Cleveland, no cry one game and we're going to be tested adversity you either you take adversity and you either run together run toward each other or you run away and I think we've got a bunch of guys who are going to run toward each other and we're going to be fine said I remember that fateful day when Artie Moe took our team away but in our city there burned a fire bright we believe through that dark night And then our city, we fought for it And our people, we came through, through We have our name, we have our colors And now we got a team to prove What we gonna do Everything is gonna be alright Miles Garrett's in the house tonight. Nick Chubb's gonna break one long. Dog Pound's gonna sing this song. Baker Mayfield's gonna be the man. We can stick it to the Steelers fans. Everyone is gonna drink but like, yeah. Everything is gonna be alright. No Cleveland, no cry. Said no Cleveland, no Cleveland, no cry. My brothers and sisters 
Don't shed no tears No Cleveland, no cry No cry My dogs by nature, brothers and sisters, welcome to your Monday Morning Lament. The Monday Morning Lament is a show that I did not think I would be making this week. But here we sit at 0-1, and right after the game is over, I don't think I'm any good as far as my opinion or perspective goes. I can't believe that Easy Wee was able to get on the airwaves like right after this was over and actually say something useful about what happened. I personally, personally, I need a night of sleep and last night I was able to get some and and this morning I think I was able to channel that energy into something useful and this is what I'm trying to present for you guys today. Well, there are three big things that I took away from this last game. I'm going to go over those three things with you and then talk about a few of the reflections inflection points maybe that I want to call that a few inflection points that happened during the game that we can go back and reminisce on and see if there could have been some other way that the game could have gone differently well first and most importantly I think that game number one shows that there's an issue with this team in terms of team and identity that the the identity of this team is somehow and in some way in flux now this game represents kind of a perfect trap for a team whose identity is in flux with a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. You're going to do battle on a stage with a team that's uh, established in what they're doing. A team that has a second year head coach and that head coach, Mike Vrabel, in his pre-game press conference, he said he knew the challenges that he would be facing in Cleveland and he was correct. He had his team ready. You know, everyone in the um, press conferences we reviewed in the Sunday morning post, a lot of the coaches were reflecting on how they felt that week one would be a little bit crazy, that there might be a little bit of flux because teams haven't done a lot in preseason, teams are doing less in preseason, and there's a little bit more of an unknown factor going into these games. And that in some ways, it's somehow kind of have to weather that unknown and then eventually you'll be able to see what you need to do to pull out a victory definitely that's the way that Mike Vrabel approached this game and I feel like the identity of this team is in flux in the sense that on offense the team doesn't really know what it's doing well and that leads us to our second point which I wanted to talk about this morning and that is the hype factor this team struggled in dealing with hype the emotions of this team seem to be a bit over the top, but we're going to have to see if they're going to be able to take that emotional energy that they have and channel it into something useful, into an intense focus, and not into something that's you know, boiling over the top. Now, to be fair, in a situation like what happened yesterday, it may have gotten to the point where it was hopeless for them. And I can understand that some of that getting away from it at the end, you have to just kind of take it and let it go it's a long season i mean the game itself it felt like it took forever it was a long game there was a game at the first quarter the game in the middle the game in the end it was a long game in one sense and in some ways this is also going to be a long season being too hyped up is like flying by the sun in the metaphor of icarus 
Myth Vigorous. In some ways, you have to find a way to gear that stuff down. Turn it into an intense focus and keep yourself on the level to be able to perform the way you need to go to get to the destination you're going to. And that brings me to my third point, which is my Stipe Miocic comparison. And you know that the at the beginning of the program of Straight No Chaser, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about Stipe Miocic and how he was able to finally overcome and beat DC Cormier. Well, the, the clip that I played at the beginning of that show was actually the second fight in DC Cormier. And the first fight that happened with Miocic and Cormier Miocic lost that fight, and he lost it a lot like the way that the Browns lost this game on Sunday. Cormier made that first fight a dirty fight, and once that fight got that way, Cormier was finally able to land the coup de grace. There's a lesson in this for the Browns. There are going to be more fights. This isn't the end of it. They're going to have a chance to do this again, and we'll see if they're going to be able to do as Freddie Kitchen said at the beginning of the show, to rally and come together through adversity. Now, let's quickly get into the inflection points before I get out of here for the morning. There are three places in this game where things could have gone differently and possibly affected the outcome. The first one, obviously, was the Austin Siebert miss of the extra point. So you remember that game a couple of years ago when the Browns got up early on the Ravens. Corey Coleman had like some kind of a breakout performance that day. And um, they missed an extra point. I don't know if it was Zane Gonzalez or I don't know who it was. But they missed this extra point. And just due to this extra point missing, kind of the air went out of the stadium. The Ravens scored ungodly amounts of points to bury the Browns. And it was like the Titans had read that script. I'm not sure what Freddie Kitchen should do here. I think he's got to kick the extra point. But knowing what you know now, what about the option of going for two? Now, that is a risky proposition for any first-time head coach to consider. But if you think about it, if you go up by eight points in this game by making it, you give yourself a huge advantage in a low-scoring game. I still don't think that would absolve Dorsey and his kicking selection problems. I'm really happy he made a second attempt because he would have to dwell upon that miss for an entire week. And man, it's so difficult being a kicker and especially a kicker with draft capital. I mean, you look back at some of these guys who've been selected with capital in the past. I feel like that just ends up weighing on a kicker so much more that it's not even that you don't want the best kicking prospect. You just want to have the guy who's coming in there with a chip on his shoulder, trying to like beat somebody out rather than a guy who's coming in with all the expectation. We're still pulling for Austin Cyber. We hope he can get himself straight uh, moving forward and get some consistency back into the special teams game. Speaking of kicks, our second inflection point is Greg Robinson's kick. Now, emotions were definitely high that game. But this kick from Greg Robinson was probably the worst example of something that I saw all game long. I saw Titans players pushing and instigating right up into the line and I saw the Browns players getting called for pushing back Robinson was definitely the worst and he was definitely over the line and some of the other guys were over the line too one penalty over the course of the game you know you'll you'll have that right but when you see this kind of a coordinated effort you kind of have to look to the coaching realm to see that kind of stuff being coached into a certain team 
and that's it's to me it's not unfair it's part of the game it's part of what happens in the game of football you're going to be pushed this way you got to be able to respond with poise and trust me when you're emotionally set when you're emotionally triggered that's easier said than done in that environment in that emotion in that stadium it just needed a little bit of a push for that to get out of hand and when they were able to push them over the edge the titans were definitely able to be the beneficiaries of these penalties this specific this specific ejection the ejection of robinson completely changed the texture and complexion of the game i feel like the game could have was sort of in the balance at that point but once he's out of the game the offensive line is completely out of sorts they never recover and baker mayfield was in a very dangerous situation as the game unfolded and unwinded to the end especially in the fourth quarter when he threw those multiple picks I think all those things are actually attributed back to the Greg Robinson ejection and hopefully going into the next game they're going to have a little bit different situation dealing with the Jets but even with all of that there was still another inflection point the Browns somehow got a touchdown and clawed their way to within two points of the Titans at 15 to 13 closing the third quarter but then the, the Titans were able to gash the Browns for a huge 75-yard touchdown pass uh, to Derrick Henry. <laughs> a couple points about this. That was the official end of the game. The game was officially over at that point. There is no way they were coming back after that situation, no matter what. So that defensive play was huge. And the reason it happened was also huge. It happened because it happened because of emotion. I mean, it happened because you have your team amped up. You want to make a big play. People are out of position, and this is like the perfect counterpunch for that kind of a situation. What a great play. And, man, Derrick Henry is a tremendous, tremendous running back. What speed? What size? And what, this is exactly the kind of play you can use to gash, to gash a team. I mean, the Titans don't have a lot that they can do, but when they can do it, they do it well. And in this situation, it was enough to totally swing the momentum to a place where it was out of reach. Well, you've made it through the worst of the Monday Lament. I wanted to end the show with a few positive notes. First, uh, I just wanted to remind people that it's just one game, one game out of 16. There's a long time. This is going to be a long season. There's more chances for the Browns to write their legacy this year. Number two, read behind the steel curtain. The Steelers got dismantled in Foxborough by the Patriots. There's some joy in that. Also, we are going to face a team next week in the Jets that we can beat. And there's a good possibility that if we play well and do what we need to do, we can end up with a 500 record. And number four, Nick Chubb, OBJ, Landry. There were some very good bright spots on the offense, of course, marred by penalties. But the offense has some things that if they can get a few things straightened out, there's a lot to look forward to. Well, with that, I'll put this one in the books. You've made it through the Monday Morning Lament. Hopefully the last one this year. I'm your host, Thelonious7. Take care and go Browns. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot.
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.